Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome our podcast listeners, and uh, we had over 700 people that listened last week on uh, Facebook Live, and all the people that are listening to us everywhere. I get... uh, Great, great notes from people all the time that are watching and listening. So thank you so much for being a part of today's service, especially everybody that's here live this morning. Uh, We've been studying um, the book of Acts, and the reason we study systematically the Bible here is we want to make sure that you have the tools so you can read the Bible on your own, and you can grow in your faith. And if you're an unbeliever and don't know anything about the Bible and want to see if it makes any sense, we want to help you as you seek the Lord as well to discover uh, more about Jesus. So uh, we've been looking at this huge figure in the book of Acts uh, called Paul. He was a major, major figure in the book of Acts, and Paul had three missionary journeys, and basically the, that's Christian ease or Christian language for, he basically went into unknown places that had, knew nothing about Jesus, and he planted churches. And when I say he planted churches, he didn't, he didn't build buildings because the early church had no buildings until about 300 AD. So for the first 300 years of the church's history, there were no church buildings. There were no steeples. There were no uh, stained glass windows. There were no uh, podiums. It was a, a very grassroots movement. So uh, today we get to uh, the third missionary journey. And actually, we talked about it a little bit last week. And Paul's in this new city, a city called Ephesus, which is in uh, Asia, what was called Asia then. Uh, then there was Asia and Asia Minor. And Ephesus was a big city. 300,000 people. And what's interesting about this city is that Paul spent more time in this city than any other place. So in the New Testament, we have this book called Ephesians, and uh, that's related to this city. Uh, This city had a a major temple in it, um, and the temple was donated or dedicated to this uh, goddess, this fertility goddess named Artemis. And she was bigger than life, and this temple was huge, and it was one of the seven wonders of the world. And people all over the world would come to Ephesus to see this temple, and they would buy little figurines uh, of, uh, of, of uh, Artemis. Here's a picture. I don't know if we have a picture of Artemis or not. Uh, this, is the, the, this is actually the, uh, uh, the, the theater. There was a theater that would seat about 25,000 people, but there's also a temple in the city, and you can still go to this city. Uh, it has a big road that <clears throat> goes out to the sea, so when you would come to the port, you would come down the road that was 115 uh, feet wide, and you would walk down the middle, and you would see this big, this big stadium, and it was a beautiful place, 300,000 people. Paul had such an impact on that city that uh, the sales of these figurines of these goddesses of Artemis uh, went way down because what you do if you were a tourist, uh, you would come to Ephesus and you would see the, the temple, you would buy one of those figurines, you would go to the temple, you'd have it blessed by Artemis, one of the priests of Artemis, and then you would take it home and be a 
bring blessing to your house, make you fruitful and all that. So that's, uh, <clears throat> Paul had such an impact preaching the gospel that people quit buying those figurines and there was a big riot in this, uh, in this place, this, uh, uh, this theater, 25,000 people and they yelled for two hours, great is Artemis, great is Artemis because what had happened was there was this, uh, <clears throat> there was this um, uh, meteorite that had fallen from heaven uh, that they thought was a, was a figure of Artemis, and they put this meteorite in the temple, and so they, they, it, that's what they were famous for. This was what they were famous for, so their whole identity as a city was threatened by Paul preaching the gospel. So it was a big, big deal. But Paul spent uh, three years there. And what's interesting, let me read to you uh, his approach. Now, Paul takes a different approach in this city than any other city he's ever been in. in uh, Acts 19, verses 8 through 10 says this. Uh, when he first got to Ephesus, he did what he normally did. <clears throat> Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Now, I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, Acts 19, verse 8. And they maligned the way. The word, uh, the way, interesting, in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, the church is called the way. The way. Uh, that's the name of the church. There, weren't, there wasn't Bayshore Community Church. There wasn't Oak Ridge. There weren't all these different names. There was one church body in the early church, and it was called the way. And where did they get that title from? They got it from Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So people belong to the way. And so the people of the city, uh, it says that their hearts, they became obstinate. In other words, what that Greek word means is their heart became hard. They became stubborn. And they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took his disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, did you hear that? This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks in, who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, here's uh, what's interesting. Paul changes his paradigm on his, in his third missionary journey. Now, what has he done on the first uh, missionary journey, first and second missionary journey. What he did on those missionary journeys is he went from city to city. He himself preached the gospel and, uh, you know, he was persecuted. He would plant churches, set elders in place, and he would go to another city. So he went from city to city. Hands on, Paul went and planted these churches. Third missionary journey, Paul does it completely different. He doesn't go to different places. He stays in one place and people come to him. He's changed his paradigm. And he comes and he speaks in this uh, lecture hall of Tyrannius. Now, Tyrannius, the word Tyrannius means tyrant, tyrant. This guy named Tyrant owned a lecture hall. Now, nobody names their kid Tyrant. Nobody said, hey, I think we're going to name our boy Tyrant. You know, you don't do that. Uh, that was his nickname. So this guy was a tyrant. He was, a uh, you know, over the top, bigger than life, you know, kind of uh, nasty guy to work with, and he had this lecture hall that he rented out to people. Philosophers would travel and teach, and so he owned this lecture hall space, and so people would train. Now, there's some texts that say um, that, that, that the lecture hall was only uh, available for Paul from 11 a.m. in the afternoon, 
or 11 a.m. in the morning before noon to 4 p.m. Uh, in the afternoon. The reason for that was it got real hot in that part of the world. So people that use the re rental hall would use it early in the morning and it'd be hot by 11. They'd go have their big uh, uh, main meal of the day and then they'd take a siesta and they would work later in the day. So Paul rented, he rented the lecture hall uh, during the most unpopular time. And that's when he, 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 he did that, and he stayed there for two years, and he lectured. It's interesting that he used what was available to get the gospel out. He used what was available to get the gospel out. And so the early church was very flexible. They used what was available. They didn't have these great facilities. They didn't have all these tools to use. They just used what was available. Makes me, uh, uh, makes me remember when my dad started his church. My dad was a Methodist pastor. Uh, and he got, you know, an experience with the Holy Spirit. He left the Methodist church. And uh, in 1974, he started an independent church. And the only place to meet was a funeral home uh, in Seaford, Delaware, on Shipley Street. It was called Gruel Funeral Home at that point, And it's now called Cranston Funeral Home. And so we rented a funeral home to have services in. The first Sunday, we had 70 people. And uh, it was the talk of the community, this crazy bunch of Jesus lovers are meeting in this funeral home, and they were rumors that there were more people coming out than were going in. So uh, <laughs> that was good publicity for all of us, you know. So. But Paul uh, rented this uh, lecture hall from Tyrannius, and he stayed in one place, and everywhere, the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord because of Paul. Not because he went everywhere, but because people came to him and they were impacted by the gospel and they were changed and they went out and they planted churches. For instance, one of the churches that was planted during this time is the church of Colossae. And we have a book in the New Testament called the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians was written to a, a, a people, uh, a group of people in Colossae. And Paul didn't start that church, but Paul wrote a letter to them. And there was, the person that started that church was a guy by the name of Epaphras. And Epaphras was one of the students that sat in that hot lecture hall uh, during uh, Paul's ministry there in Ephesus. And he sat there in that hot, hot lecture hall and he learned about Jesus he learned about right doctrine. He learned about theology. His heart was changed, and he listened to Paul, and he went out from that lecture hall, and he started the church of Colossae. Paul didn't do it. So the paradigm is different. Instead of Paul planting churches himself, he's inspiring other people to plant churches. He's inspiring other people to plant churches. And so he has changed his paradigm completely. There's, there's two ways to do this. You can do it all yourself. Or you can empower other people to go out and to plant churches uh, in, in the name of Jesus. So what's better? One person that's an expert gardener plant a garden? Or that expert gardener trains 10 people to plant gardens and they go plant gardens? The model, the second model is the model that Paul is using in this part of his ministry. He's not just simply planting churches, he's training people, and they're going, and they're having ministry. I remember uh, the first time I went crabbing. Hey, anybody ever go crabbing? Uh, you know, good old Eastern Shore uh, crabbing. I remember the first time I went crabbing, it was actually on a date, and I fell in the water. It wasn't good, but anyhow... <laughs> 
It wasn't a good date. But anyhow, um, I remember, you know, crabbing that, you know, what you do basically, you know, is, is you take a, you know, some string and you tie a, a piece of chicken on it and you set it down there and you wait till the crab tugs on it and then you pull it up and, and you, you got your, your net ready. It, don't you like that feel? You can feel the crab on there. That big old sea buzzards hanging on there. Had crab, blue crab, and you dip it up and you put it, and it just, you can, you know, spend all day doing that, and you get a half a bushel of crabs. My brother in law invited me to go crabbing with him, and I thought that's what we we're going to do. He had a boat, so we went out on the bay, and he had a trout line. A trout line is where you have, uh, you take little pieces of squid, and you tie it on a little a line every, every you know, th uh, three feet or so, and you let that squid line out, about 150 feet of squid line, you let it out there, it's got squid everywhere, and then you just let it float in the water a little bit, and then you, you kind of crank it up and you just dip the crabs and we did that and we had a bushel and a half of crabs in about 20 minutes now I found and that's a new way to crab isn't it that's a better way to crab so Paul is using a trout line in his second part of his ministry he's inspiring people to go into ministry into ministry he's not just doing the ministry himself but he is being anointed by God to train other people and he's gone from an additional model to adding to the kingdom of God, one church at a time, one person at a time, to a multiplication model. Multiplicational model is better than an additional model. Now, what does that have to do with us here at Bayshore? Here's what it has to do with us. Our church is not about where you, uh, you come and you hear, you know, no, you know, uh, for sure a handsome pastor, you, you know that. Uh, it's not that you come here a pastor that, you know, teaches the word and, and can make you laugh sometimes. That's not why you come to church. You come to church so you can be trained, so you can be in the ministry. Somebody asks sometimes, how many people, how many people, uh, how, many, how many ministers do you have on your staff? How many ministers does Bayshore have? Now, we could say, well, we got Pastor Jeremy, we got Pastor Jeff, we got, you know, pa Pastor Danny. You know, we got three ordained ministers on staff, and then we got all these other great people that are serving. We could say that, but then that's not the right answer. That's the wrong answer. The right answer is, is that we have 500 or 600 people in ministry at Bayshore. And just raise your hand right now and say, I am, say it a little louder, I am in the ministry. That's Paul's model. This is our model. I teach the word. This is your seminary. This is your Bible college. I train and teach you so you know the word so you can go out and minister because your office or your classroom or your business or your neighborhood needs a minister that doesn't know me, that doesn't know my name, that doesn't know anything about me. And Jesus, the same Jesus that anoints me to train you, has anointed you to go into your neighborhood and to change your neighborhood because you are in the ministry. That is the model that Paul used. Now, we could do an additional model. The additional model is, and here's the problem. This is a Sussex County model. Sussex County 
likes to hire, you know, a good preacher, a good pastor. Everybody comes, listen to that pastor, and there's some music, some good music. You've got good music. You've got an interesting pastor, and that is what we call an additional model. And he, one by one, will win some people to the Lord. And that's an okay model, but what you're doing in that model is you got a piece of chicken, and you got it tied to the string, and you're letting it down off the side of the boat. But I'm here to tell you that I've done the chicken with a piece of string. And I've done, I've done the, uh, the line, the trout line, and the trout line is better. So I, want you just to, I just want you to know that you've been trained to be in the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I think we have that. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. That's people that do what I do. What I do is I've spent my life studying the Bible, uh, praying, uh, learning how to communicate it so people understand it. That's what I do. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and that's just different styles. For instance, for me, um, I'm more of a teacher Teacher, apostle, big idea guy and all that. I'm a teacher. My son Joel is uh, anointed by God. He's more of an evangelist than I am. So we all have different flavors. But I'm the teacher thing. Uh, but here's the reason God gave the church people like me. The next verse says, To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The reason I do what I do is to equip you so you can do works of service. So you have, you're coming to church today not to hear a sermon to be inspired, but you're hearing a sermon to be equipped so you can go into ministry. There's a different model here. To equip his people for works of service. The word equip means to be uh, completely trained. It means to be strengthened. And listen to this. It also means to be healed. The Greek word means to be healed. So when you come to church, God wants to heal your wounds. He wants to equip you so you leave healthy and strong so you can go out and be in the ministry and serve the Lord. So the other day I was leaving here. I think it was about, um, it was about 5.30 on Wednesday, and I was, you know, got done working in the office and packed my bag up, and I'm walking out the car, and I saw people still working and serving here at our church. They were still at the, the food pantry day was Wednesday, and they have different shifts. And so I'm, I'm leaving at 5.30, and I'm paid. I'm paid to do what I do. And I'm leaving, and there are two people that I run into in the parking lot, Mike Yoder and Celeste. Uh, and here's a picture of them. They're here at 5.30. The paid guy is going home, and the people that aren't getting paid are still here serving the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Still serving the Lord. And Mike's got a big smile on his face, and Celeste does. And, and when I saw them, they were helping people uh, out to their car, loading stuff in their car so that they could have the food that they needed. And these people pray with people, encourage people. They're in the ministry, and that's just their particular style of ministry. Say this with me. Everybody at Bayshore is a minister. 
I know today, I just found out today, our James Club, which is helping people struggle with addictions, uh, these guys that are serving in that, uh, Tom Law and Hunter Phillips and, and different people and, and that are serving here. I know there's others in this particular congregation today that are serving, doing that. These guys are in the ministry and these gals are in the ministry. They're serving people. They're helping people. And what you do when you come here on Sundays is you get trained so you can be good at ministering to other people. Just say this with me. We are being trained so we can be effective ministers in the body of Christ. So just remember, we're not a string and a chicken church. That's a good quote for the website there. And we have no idea what that means. But our pastor said, we're not a string and chicken church. That's, it makes no sense at all, but that's what he said. I wrote it down. But we're a trout line church where everybody goes out and everybody's in the ministry. And you say, oh my gosh, I'm not perfect. Well, you know, God just uses humans. He uses regular people. He just uses people that are growing, are being healed. They're being touched by Jesus. They're growing in their faith, and they're, and they're growing in, in their understanding of God's Word, and, they're, and they go out, and they're in the ministry. So that's Paul's model. It's so interesting to me that he, on the end of his missionary journeys, his last model changed substantially, that he stayed in one place, he trained. You know another group of churches, the book of Colossians, the, the church of Colossae was established during that time. But you, if you ever read the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 2 through 3 has seven churches in that part of Asia. And do we have a map of that, RJ? I think I gave a map of uh, seven churches. Here's Ephesus. Now, if you ever read Revelation chapter 2, uh, chapter two and 3, you can understand that pretty good. After that, it gets real blurry. Um, but uh, the seven churches of Revelation were planted and established during Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He didn't start Pergamon. He didn't start Thyatira. He didn't start the church of Sardis. He didn't start the church of Philadelphia. He didn't start the church of Laodicea. He didn't start the church of Smyrna. Uh, he did start the church of Ephesus, but these other churches, these other six churches were established not by Paul himself, but by people that were sitting in that lecture hall listening to Paul teach, and they went out and they started the churches, and they had ministry. So that's really, really cool. And uh, I see, you know, one of the things I would love to see, we love to, we're trying to get small groups established, and, and we try to do that, and I just... Uh, uh, I think it's really healthy when people say, hey, you know, God's lead me to start a small group and, you know, be nice for it. We'd like to, be, you know, help you with that and be a part of that. But people take the initiative, start a small group and bring people in, just like churches were started out of that. So, hey, listen, one other, couple other things were happening during this time in Paul's life. When he's uh, two years in Ephesus, and he was actually there longer than that, other places say. So uh, when he was in Ephesus and he's finishing up his third missionary journey, here's another thing that's happening. This is very important. Paul had a, had, a, had a vision to help the poor Jewish people in uh, Jerusalem, around Judea and Jerusalem. There was a famine that had gone through there, and there were really poor Jewish people. So all during this time, Paul is collecting money from all these churches he's established, and he's sending leaders to go with him to take this money to Jerusalem to help them, to help the Jewish people. Now, why is he doing that? This is a major, major thing in Paul's ministry at this point. He's raising money 
to help poor people in Jerusalem because of a famine that's there. Why is he doing that? The reason he's doing that is because uh, there's been animosity between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians and these Gentile churches that have heard about Jesus, uh, that the church first was Jewish. These Gentile uh, Christians are now helping the Jewish people, and he's trying to, to wed them together. So let me, uh, let me read a little bit of uh, chapter 20. Let me give a few more things here to you real quickly. Uh, Okay, uh, let's see. Let me read a little bit of chapter 20 here to you, and then we'll get into some interesting things. Um, Acts 20, verses 1 through 38, when the uproar had ended, this is when he leaves Ephesus finally, Paul sent his disciples, and after encouraging them, he, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through the area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed for three months. Now, while he's in Greece for three months, we know he's writing a book. He's writing the book of Romans, and we can show that from other scriptures. Because the Jews made a plot against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back from Macedonia. He was appointed, he was accompanied by Sopater. Everybody say Sopater. Son of Pyrrhus from Bera, uh, say Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and say the, these Tychius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. Now, why does he list all these people there? Why is that there? The reason it's there, he's collected money from all these churches, and these are the representatives that are helping carry the money to go to Jerusalem to help the poor people, and he's doing that with integrity. So here's an interesting story. Uh, he gets to a place called Troas, and uh, verse 7 says, on the first day of the week we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs rooms where he, they were meeting. A, seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Sleeping in church is nothing new. Isn't that something? <laughs> but watch out. Here's what happened to Eutychus. Eutychus, who was sleeping in a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on, when he was in a sound sleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up as dead. <laughs> so this is, you know, hey... <laughs> people sleep in church somebody slept last week I saw it clear as a bell they were like out if you're going to sleep sit in the back they were sitting on the second row it's unbelievable but anyhow <laughs> so here's what happened Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him don't be alarmed he said he is alive then he went upstairs and broke bread and ate now here's the thing if you fall asleep and Die at Bayshore. I'm not raising you from the dead. That's it. <laughs> Paul's a better man than I am. You're a goner. You know, that's it. But uh, Paul went down himself and put him, his arms around him. Don't be alarmed. He said he's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left the people. The people took the young man home and he uh, alive and he was greatly comforted. Oh my gosh, what a great, great story. Now, there's reminiscences of, of the Old Testament in this story. Paul threw himself in, on the young man and brought him back to life. In the Old Testament, we have Elisha. 
a young man that had died, and Elisha lays on the young man, the man's raised from the dead, and Elijah did the same thing. So we have a picture in the New Testament of a miracle similar to what happened through Elijah and Elisha's ministry there in the Old Testament. Why, this <clears throat> Why is this story in the, uh, in the New Testament? Eutychus, by the way, his name means fortunate. His name means fortunate. So he's very fortunate. He got raised from the dead because he got, fell out of the window and died while he was listening to Paul. As Paul talked on and on and on. So anyhow, that's just very comforting to me. Um, but a couple of things in the story. The story shows us an early church service. Okay, and it shows us Paul preaching. And, it, and we know from the text it was on the first day of the week. And they were meeting in the evening. So the reason that's important is because the early church, uh, Sunday in the Roman Empire was not a day off. It was not a holiday. It was a work day. And Sunday only became a holiday later in history. But in those days, the, uh, the Sunday was a work day. So these people had worked all day long, and they were tired. And they came to service at uh, an upper room uh, meeting area, and Paul was preaching. And it says in the text there were lamps in the area, uh, there were lamps in the room, lighting the room. So evidently it was a little warm there, uh, and the fumes from the lamps, and this young man sitting in the window, and he just falls asleep, and he, and he falls out, and, and there, we see this miracle. It says in the, in, the, in the story as well that they took communion together, they broke bread. There's two indications here that they broke bread. That meant they took communion together, and then secondly, they had a meal together at the end. And the last part of the story, let me read the last, uh, last part we're going to cover today. Uh, it's in... Uh, Chapter 17, or verse 17 of Acts 20, and Paul calls, he's on his way to Jerusalem to take this gift. And in verse 17, it says, For Miletus, Miletus Paul sent for the Ephesian, for, sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach, preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 22, And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of his grace. So Paul is leaving the area. He's not going to come back to the area again. And so before he goes to Jerusalem, uh, because his big objective now is to go to Rome and to Spain. And so the Bible says that he stops at this place 30 miles from Ephesus, uh, from the city we've been studying. Uh, and he stops there and he calls for the elders of the church, the people that he's placed in leadership. And he talks to them and he, and he gives them a pep talk before he leaves for the last time. And he says to them, first of all, uh, you know the way, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. So Paul points to his life. He points to how he's been living. He points uh, to his integrity. And so Paul's a person of integrity. And, and most of the time today we say, don't look at us, don't look at us. But in the New Testament, Paul said, look at me, follow my example. He said in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. 
So Paul is pointing these people to look at him, how he's lived. He's lived a life of integrity. He's lived a life of honesty. He's lived a life of uprightness. He's lived a life of purity. He's been a, a good example for the, for the people of Ephesus and the leaders of Ephesus. And so pastors and leaders uh, need to be people of integrity. They need to live uh, uh, with integrity, honesty, and purity. And so Paul points to his life. And so that's an important thing. And he said, I haven't hesitated. I haven't hesitated to tell you anything that you needed to know, including your need to repent and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he talks about repentance. And he said, I've, re- I've preached about repentance, that you need to turn from your idols You need to turn from uh, these things that you've been uh, connected to. You need to turn from your impurity. You need to turn from your anger and your hatred. You need to turn. You need to repent of those things and turn to Christ. And so it's not just about putting faith in Jesus and saying, I'll keep doing what I've been doing. But when a person comes to Jesus, and here's how Paul preached, we lay down those, those ungodly behaviors. We lay down those things that are, are not pleasing to him. We lay them at the feet of Jesus, and we come to Christ in faith. We come to Christ in faith. So that's what he said in that passage. And he said, I haven't hesitated. I haven't hesitated. And he said later in this text, he said, I preach to you the whole counsel of God. I preach to you the whole counsel of God. I haven't held anything back. I preach the whole counsel of God. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're going through these verses. We, we're not going to just pick out our favorite subjects. We're going to just keep going through the whole counsel of God so we can grow in faith. And Paul said, I have not failed to cl- declare to you the whole will of God. So I went to uh, the other day to get my bike fixed. And uh, I love to ride these trails, uh, the Breakwater Trail and the Gordon Pond Trail, and there's a new trail uh, that goes from Lewis to almost to Georgetown. It's not quite to Georgetown yet. Beautiful trails. Our uh, late governor, or the, the last governor we had, uh, Governor Markle, was into biking, and so we got these great trails. So I love to ride bikes. So I went to get my bike uh, serviced at this bike shop, and I went there, and I'm rolling it in, and, and it had some stuff that needed to be fixed on it. But, you know, when I'm rolling it in, my eye started to wander. And I started looking at these new bikes. And you know, when you go, my bike looks so bad next to those new bikes. And I had been saving a little money. I was going to buy a kayak, but, you know, I saw that this one bike, I mean, it was a great bike. And, and I, I did the unthinkable. I, I said, can I ride that bike? So I rode the bike. And um, I thought, man, I'd like to have this bike, you know. And I said, how much is my bike going to fix? Uh, cost to fix? He told me what it was going to be. It wasn't that much, but, but my bike's... You know, just not a very good bike compared to these bikes. So, you know, I knew I should probably call Dave Ramsey. I didn't call Dave Ramsey. And <laughs> but I thought I could buy this bike and go home and just show Karen the bike, you know. But then I thought, you know, I probably ought to call Karen because it's going to be a miserable ride all the way home if I don't call her. Uh, so I called her. I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, my, you know I maybe stretch what it's going to cost to get the bike fixed a little bit, you know. And, uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit. Not, you know, I just, oh, the bike's got all kinds of issues, you know. And so I said, you mind if I get this bike? You know, I had the money saved up. But she said, oh, yeah, I was in a good mood. And just the fact that I called her, I mean, that's a good thing. She was like, okay, get yourself that bike. So they had a red one. I didn't want a red one. I wanted a black one. So they had to order it. 
So they ordered it, and it came. It's amazing. The guy called me the next day. He said, okay, we'll make sure I got the right size. We're ordering the bike. Uh, that was like a Thursday. He called me the next day on Friday. The bike was in. How they got it that quick. And so I went down there, and, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't usually tell people what I pay for things. I paid like, it was a trail bike, so I paid like $559 for it. For this trail bike. I, I got a picture of it, I think. There's a picture of my bike here. There it is right there. It's a Trek bike. That's a fine looking bike. You know, that's a nice bike. She will fly like the wind. It's amazing. So I go to pick up the bike. And the guy said to me, he said, do you want a kickstand with that? So I said, uh, I said, it doesn't come with a kickstand. I mean, a $500, $50 bike doesn't come with a kickstand. He said, that is correct. I said, what does a kickstand cost? He said, $20. I said, you know, I said, I'm old school. You know, I'm just an old school guy. I just think if you buy a $550 bike, it should have a quick stand, a kickstand. How many were with me on that? You should get a kickstand. So I paid $20 for the kickstand. I never got it. <laughs> What am I going to do? I bought the kickstand. And uh, there it is right there. <laughs> Bike didn't come with a kickstand. Paul said, when I preached the gospel to you, I gave you everything. I told you everything. I didn't hold anything back. I told you that you needed to repent. I told you that sometimes when you serve Jesus... You're still going to have some adversity. And Paul said, you watched me. You watched me go through adversity. You watched me when I was opposed by the Jews. And you watched me still serve Jesus. And Paul preached to them the whole counsel of God. And he was faithful to not hold anything back. He gave them everything that they needed to succeed in life. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning? And would you just, just reaffirm your ministry for Jesus, that you're in the ministry? Dads, you're, the, you're a pastor in your own home. You're, you're serving Jesus in front of your kids. Those of you that have construction companies and you're working with people, you're the, you're the pastor in that crew. You're the pastor. You're in ministry. And you come every Sunday to get trained so you can fulfill the ministry that you have. So, Lord God, as we go into this new week, we thank you, Lord, if we go out as a mighty army of people into our community. We go out into our neighborhoods. We go out into our jobs. We go out into every area, and we preach the gospel of Jesus, and we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for using us and blessing us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen.